Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I'm Janine, and this is Get the Funk Out. And that was Walk uh, from the band Burning Spear off Putumayo World Party. We'll listen to that a little later on in the show. Standing by to join us to kick off the show is Mark Lesser, and we're going to talk about his book, Seven Practices of a Mindful Leader. Good morning, Mark. Good morning, Janine. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. I always love to touch on the backstory of how someone got to where they are now. Uh, were you always into this kind of thinking, or what led you to this career? <laughs> well, it's interesting, even when you say um, this kind of thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, I real, uh, when you say this kind of thinking, I, I, what, I, um, what comes to my mind is that I feel like I'm very much both a... Um, you know, a Zen teacher, yes. you know, kind of a mi- mindfulness teacher, and I'm also a business guy. I mean, I, I've been, <laughs> I've started and run, I've started and run several different companies now, so I have um, kind of both of those, Mindsets. both of those paths. Yeah. Yes. Um, so tell me about your background with um, the Zen, you know, Zen way of thinking. Why are you laughing? Yeah, at me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I'm laughing at myself. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm. You know, totally, um, totally schizophrenic in, in in my. Although that's really, you know, my my path has always been as a kind of weaver, mm-hmm. weaving the, weaving these different things uh, together. And I know many of us. I are, like that. I think, oh, I'm like that. I th- yeah, I was going to say these days we all we all almost you know have to be weavers in this this world that we that we live in. But I I, I was first drawn to meditation and contemplative practice when I was in college uh, back back when I was in my 20s I was uh, an undergraduate at, at Rutgers in New Jersey and mm-hmm. I started you know kind of reading about uh, I was reading on books on humanistic psychology and um, existentialism and was really getting very passionate about literature, and then I bumped into some books uh, by Alan Watts on on uh, on Zen practice, and uh, Abraham Maslow, uh, toward a psychology of being, was a important book for me. And I decided I didn't want to just read about it; I wanted to somehow have more of an experience. So I, I took a one-year leave of absence and came out to uh, to San Francisco, and. Um, learned about the San Francisco Zen Center and ended up uh, my one-year leave of absence turned into 10 years of living at the Zen Center. Wow, that is remarkable, especially as a college student to have that insight. This is what you need to do. Yeah, well, I think, you know, it's interesting. Many, many motivations and a variety of insights, I think, part of it, I think, was um, seeing just how asleep I was and how um, that I, uh, yeah, I think I had mostly kind of just followed a certain track of, you know, going to school and playing sports and trying to survive in the social world as a, as a youngster. And, and, and somehow there seemed to be this whole other world of possibility of, uh, of self-development and uh, relationships that would be so much more vibrant and alive and the ability to actually have a positive influence in the world like these things are all like wh- what else matters like yes. why why would why would I why would I do anything else so 
Okay. And I uh, at, and at the Zen Center, I felt like I ended up finding, uh, you know, in a way, my tribe of. Mm-hmm. At the t- at the time, it was, you know, uh, you know, Ivy League dropouts, uh, but people who who really wanted to make a difference in, in the world, and and that combination, I think, of a kind of discipline of having a physical meditation practice and community. But what we, one of the big surprises was how important work was in, in terms of work as an expression mm-hmm. and part of um, contemplative practice. And, and that ended up setting the, me on the course for that kind of weaving in and integrating the world of work and the world of contemplative practice. Now, is it hard for people to get their brain around what it means to be mindful at work? I sure hope not. You know, in some way, a a lot of what I find I do is I like to demystify it, right? That that um, demystify it without without losing its depth, right? So that's Mm -hmm. that's my that's my particular path is to make make mindfulness accessible. Um, and without losing its depth. And it's interesting, and on the other side of the scale, um, I also like to make business and leadership accessible to people who don't think of themselves as business people or leaders, make that accessible also without, without sacrificing the depth. And you know, to me, mindfulness is really, you know, it's like, it's the practice of how can we be full human beings? How can we... How can we be present for our full experience? All of the, how can we bring in the humanness, the pains, the joys, the awarenesses, the connections, the longing, to see that that's actually part of work. Um, It's not, you know, there used to be this crazy expression of that when you uh, went to, arrived at work, you left your soul in the parking lot. And 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 unfortunately, Unfortunately, there's still quite a bit of that, right? I, I think it's a it's a very common experience of people feeling that they can't be their their full selves at work, and that you have to somehow turn it off. and And I get it, and that's 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 the way it is in right. in a lot of in environments. So, and even in I think even in the better environments, I think there's still this sense that. Well, yeah, you can you can maybe bring a little bit more of yourself in, but you still have to be, you know, kind of protect your back, and it's usually pretty pretty political. And so, I think um, part of part of mindfulness is how to help how to help create um, emotionally intelligent, open, aware, thriving workplaces, and even even to see work as a great place to cultivate right. well-being and cultivate awareness. Yes. Well, and now I'm aware that a lot of businesses are uh, instilling uh, yoga studios right in you know the workplace and time to work out. And I feel like it's to the benefit of the leadership that if people are happy, if they're taking care of themselves, that they feel like you know management understands them and gives them time to breathe yep. throughout the day, they're going to yep. be more productive and happier to come to work. Yeah, and there's also there's that there's an expression that you know culture eats strategy for breakfast is this um, uh-huh. uh, kind of this business. This was um, a Peter Drucker who was one of the kind of real heroes in the business business world, 
and and then the question, and I think I think most people get that, or you know, kind of understand how important culture is, and and the how important it is for people to be engaged uh, in their workplace. But then the question is, how do, how do you actually do that? How do you actually create culture? And I think kind of some of the things that you were pointing to were to actually care about the the well being of your employees and for it. Again, and I understand, you know, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of mistrust and a lot of cynicism, uh, and, and and a lot of it, I have to say, is well earned mistrust and cynicism in the business world. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of work, like there's a lot of work to do to shift that to to somehow find uh, to be able to create businesses where there are much more uh, caring, and at the same time, uh, you know, as a as someone who has started and run several companies myself, um, there also has to be a sense of urgency and a sense of of getting stuff done. And there's a natural there's a natural tension between you know in the workplace. So you you know you, you don't you, you have to be careful of not kind of creating workplaces that are pri- workplaces are not primarily about you know places of of ease and relaxation, uh, but they need to be some combination of well-being with getting stuff done. Yes. Now, I know we only have about four minutes left, but how did you come up with the idea of seven practices of a mindful leader? You know, these were, um, this actually happened when I was training a group of Google engineers to be mindfulness teachers, and I brought in a, a good friend of mine, uh, a man named Norman Fisher, who's uh, one of the leading kind of Zen teachers and poets, and he was he was part of the early team that I was that I was part of that was creating mindfulness programs inside of Google about twelve thirteen years ago, and I brought my friend Norman in to um, to speak to this group on what what are the real kind of core values and practices that are essential if you're going to be a, a, a mindfulness teacher. Mm-hmm. And, um, and Norman just kind of off the top of his head came up with these particular, these particular seven practices. And when I, when I heard them, I thought, these are, these are, these are beautiful, and they go well beyond uh, the, the values and practices of teaching mindfulness. These were, I thought these were described how I wanted my culture to be in the company that I was running mm-hmm. at the time. And even more than that, they described, like, this is how I want to live my life, by, by these, these seven practices. I love that. So where can people find out more about you, Mark? My website is uh, marklesser, M-A-R-C-L-E-S-S-E-R dot net. Um, yeah, lots of information there about the, the trainings and speaking things that I do workshops and so forth. And I would just want to ask you, because the name of my show is Get the Funk Out, if you have any advice for people that find themselves in any kind of personal, professional funk, um, because you seem to have found this path that is very fulfilling. You know, I think, um, I think funks, uh, paradoxically, are a great gift. Mm-hmm. And uh, love, love and appreciate the funk. Go, go into it, understand, you know, Understand it, unpack it, and also find um, find fellow funky travelers <laughs> along the way. Find, find yes, there's a lot. You know, 
I think I think we so underestimate the importance of uh, connection and community. Oh, that's absolutely true. I mean, it's so easy to to feel disconnect when you don't have any kind of solid relationships. You know, people you can turn to to bounce things mm-hmm. off of. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I've more and more. You know, I I, I find myself going all around the world teaching meditation these days, mm-hmm. and I've, I've, I've become really clear that meditation was never meant to be an individual sport. Oh. Um, it's, a group, it's a group sport. Um, and obviously, if you have to, you know, you, you're by yourself, it's better to have a, a practice um, than no practice, but, right. but find, find fellow travelers. Definitely. Mark, I want to thank you so much for calling into the show this morning. This has been wonderful. Congratulations on your book, Seven Practices of a Mindful Leader, Mark Lesser. Thank you, Janine. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. If you missed any part of this segment with Mark Lesser, everything is up on my show, show blog, getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. We'll take a little break, and then stand by. We'll have more guests. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine.